and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content, and I'm joined by... Oh, oh I'll pronounce my own name by this time. Uh, Sam Davis, <laughs> Senior Editorial Content Producer. I just thought I'd try and confuse things, Sam, but also to keep things, you know, Yeah, yeah keep on my toes. Yeah. That's how we used to do it, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And then at some point you just decided to take care of all of that for me. I did. So take over, really. You were, well, it's a good thing because <laughs> this is a less good opening to an episode. Um, but yeah, I like, I like carry on. Sorry. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I'm a year older than I was last time we did all of these. You are. Um, which is unfortunate. Um, that doesn't mean we've had a whole year since the last episode. It has been Sam on the last few episodes. It was his birthday, however, a few days ago. <laughs> it was, yeah. We've had a busy few weeks here at TCT, not just for Sam's birthday, um, but obviously you're at IMTS, which we did a podcast about a few weeks ago, and then we put out a magazine straight after. So um, if you're a subscriber, you will hopefully have your print copy landing right about now. Um, If if you're in Europe, the North America edition is coming very soon. Um, And so, yeah, we're just getting ready for our next one now and planning towards form next. Um, Can you believe that those words and things are happening (laughs) No, I'm already getting emails, um, internal emails, I would say. No no PR people are chasing me at the moment. But Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, but I'm already getting emails about setting up meetings. I'm, I already have an Excel spreadsheet on the go mm. um, for all of my meetings. Um, we're getting a couple of PRs, to be fair, like press releases. Mm. No, no meetings are being arranged at this point, but um, before long, like, we're... By the time this comes out, we're in October, and then it's six weeks away. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a slight like disorder time, isn't it? It's a busy, like, September, October, November, mm-hmm. and then December, everything calms down a bit. Yeah. And we can chill out. And despite we've been thankful about the fact that we've not had a ton of Formlex stuff in yet, if you are a company working in the additive manufacturing space and you're launching something at Formlex, or maybe you've got an interesting application that we've not seen before, um, do get in touch and send it to us as we'll be working on our Formnext preview very shortly, which goes in our print magazine, which is also on site at Formnext. But before we get to that, on to this week's episode, which is pretty packed. And I know we presumed at the start of the month that we had the biggest news story for this month's podcast. Um, and I thought, nah, we're probably not going to be right. So else is going to happen. But no, it does happen to be the biggest news story. So today we're going to talk about Nikon's AM investments and the several of them that there are. Um, SLM Solutions, even bigger NXD 12600 machine. MakerBot and Ultimaker's new brand and Mantle's announcement of the commercial availability of its new metal system. So as I said, we presumed at the start of the month that Nikon's investment story was going to be the biggest one. Mm-hmm. It's the first they announced was an investment in SLM Solutions with a 622 million euro takeover of the company as it continues to make big strides in becoming a leading provider of metal additive manufacturing. Sam, do you want to kick things off with this one? Because I know you covered uh, this story and another um, SLM Nikon story later on in the month as well. Yeah, so this, um, I guess this is significant for a number of reasons. Among them, it's obviously one of the biggest um, or leading players in in Metal AM, um, being being you know acquired for for six hundred odd million, um, but it's also obviously a, a pretty sizable company from outside of the AM industry um, investing into the technology. So I think I guess it's quite an, a, an important development. Mm-hmm. Um, as you say, deals thought to be worth around six hundred and twenty two million euros. 
Um, and we'll see Nikon pay a cash consideration of 20 euros a share, um, with the takeover expected to be completed by early October. Um, so it might be done by the time you hear this, given we're recording a week in advance. Mm. Um, but I did notice um, in one of the documents that Nikon have put out that there's an acceptance period that I think runs into like November, maybe even December. So it might take a little longer, but I, I know when they first put the announcement out that it was end of September, early October was the, mm-hmm. was the target for closing. Um, importantly, at the time of recording, the takeover has got the approval of all SLM Solutions shareholders, including that of Elliott Advisors, who is a 20% shareholder of SLM and was the party that prevented GE Additive mm-hmm. taking over SLM back in 2016. Um, there's not really been any, again, at the time of recording, maybe we'll have heard a bit more from, from SLM by the time this episode comes out i'm hoping we do um but there's been no word on, on what's changed between 2016 and 2022 um from from slm side but nikon has already outlined it's thinking behind the slm solutions takeover so on their website um if you do a bit of digging you can find a ton of information about um their vision 2030 um, which is focused on digital manufacturing as a uh, growth driver and the role the slm takeover plays in that Mm-hmm. So as part of that vision, they want to become a global leader in additive manufacturing by leveraging its own technology and know-how, as well as developing new business solutions through R&D collaboration and by offering both laser powder bed fusion and directed energy deposition technologies. Um, so I believe uh, Nikon had its laser master DD, DD technology at um, Rapid Plus DC earlier this year, um, and this product range is come to market via an alliance with DMG Mori, um, whereby the companies are combined in their respective expertise in on the Nikon side, optoelectronics and precision, and then on DMG Mori side, the, the machine tooling, um, and I guess manufacturing equipment side. Um, and then in the summary of a briefing session on the Nikon website, which does point out that these things aren't, um, so the, the, it's like a Q&A session, um, not attributed to anyone in particular, but it's not verbatim. It's just a summary of what's discussed. But it does say that the company intends to further strengthen SLM's product capabilities by providing SLM with their optical and pre- precision equipment technology. Um, and then in that same summary, um, it says that, um, well, the Nikon's basically very complimentary about the 12 laser system mm. um, that we'll, we'll talk a, a bit more in detail about. Um, later on, but they believe that that technology is going to contribute to the growth of Metal AM. And they even say that Nikon believes that Metal AM for large end use products, so the kind that this 12 laser machine, particularly the new one we're going to talk about, um, is designed for, is going to grow faster than the overall Metal AM market. Um, and it also references what it deems as a, as a growing trend towards in house and domestic production to avoid supply chain disruptions um, that we've obviously discussed that mm-hmm. loads. We'll be discussing that again in yeah. the um, next issue of the magazine. Uh, but that was another key factor in Nikon's decision to acquire SLM. Um, so on, on the website, we, we covered the announcement um, on the day it happened, which I think was like 2nd of September. Um, there's a load of financial details and and all that stuff. One of the one of the things that we mentioned in, in that um, article is that Nikon's committed to not initiating the conclusion of a domination agreement for at least three years, um, which I think means that the SLM Solutions Senior Management Team is going to remain in place for that time. Right. 
Um, but again, in one of the documents that you can find on Nikon's website, there is mention of a potential future delisting of SLM. Um, they had like a an illustration of the transaction schedule, which had when they expected it to close in the next few weeks and months. Mm. Um, and then further on, maybe 2023 20, and beyond, um, their, their potential delisting of SLM. Um, I'm not quite sure why that's relevant. Somebody else probably will. Um, but I did notice that as a, as a little detail on, on their website. Yeah, I think you're right. It's when you start looking into the rest of the details, especially on uh, the Nikon site, as you said, they've got this huge document which outlines their plan for um, the future. And there's a, a lot about additive manufacturing in that. And, um, you know, I said it earlier, they, they really they, they say in that that they want to become a leader in metal additive manufacturing. And, um, you know, the fact that this isn't the first time they've moved into um, additive, you know, we've seen the investment in, in more 3D over in the US with the huge additive manufacturing facility, um, which uses um, SLM's technologies. Um, it does, it, this feels like a, a huge, you know, a huge step in the right direction for that. And as you mentioned before, Sam, with the, the complementary technologies, you know, you've got um, all the, the optical uh, expertise within uh, within Nikon that comforts really well with a lot of the um, industrial applications that um, SLM Solutions is, is already operating in with, I should say, this huge 12 laser system in particular, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. later on. Um, there's just there's just an awful lot around this, which makes it a particularly, um, a particularly exciting deal. And especially when you think back, as you say, back to 2016 when and the offer was originally made by GE to move into additive manufacturing uh, with SLM Solutions and was oh, at the time yeah um I mean the difference being that at the time I think that was a 1.4 billion deal at the time um so I'm not too sure how that kind of the yeah. split between um but it's you know this seems like a lesser evaluation than that now but um so I'm, I'm not too sure as you say Sam what's what the difference is there and I know you've tried to um get some comments from SLM on this but with the date approaching for when the deal is actually going to close I'm sure we'll be able to hear a little bit more about it then it's uh, obviously a an, an ongoing thing mm-hmm. so um I'm interested to hear uh, more about that but um it's just been a really interesting time for Nikon and, and you know I'll move on to some of the other um announcements that they've made over this month because of course it wasn't just SLM um, solutions although that was the the major one in terms of an acquisition but they have also made investments um in further AM companies so the second one um, came during IMTS which was just a week after the SLM announcement and Nikon announced um, two further investments the first in hybrid manufacturing technologies which is a developer of as you may have guessed from its name um hybrid manufacturing solutions so um, the company produces the Ambit deposition arms, which pretty much allow you to add additive manufacturing capabilities to a um, a machining um, technology. So I remember seeing one back at TCT show, and that's when it was TCT show mm-hmm. uh, in 2014. And interesting enough, this is one of the first stories I reported on at a TCT event, which is quite nice. Um, but I remember seeing that, and they had this really old, um, this really old machine tool, and just flip this new. Obviously, it's not as simple as just clipping it on, <laughs> clip this new tool head onto the system to give it these additive capabilities. And so you've got, um, you know, the ability to um, build an inner shape and then machine it down all within the same system. So um, it's, it's really interesting stuff. And um, 
I think there's a really nice quote, actually, um, which I just want to read out from the press release announcing this investment. And it was from uh, Peter Coates at Hybrid Manufacturing Technologies, who is the co-founder and CTO. He said, um, hybrid is all about synergy. For the better part of 10 years in this industry, we have taken pride in the strategic nature of our collaborators, collaboration sorry, and our partnership with Nikon takes us to a whole new level by adding value to advanced manufacture. Um, I really like that because I think it's important to notice uh, to note that this announcement happened at IMTS, which, of course, isn't an additive manufacturing event. It is a major advanced technologies trade show, which means that additive is just a small part of a huge picture of wider manufacturing. Um, and something like this, which really shows how those two technologies can can fit together. And um, I think in some ways be an entry point for manufacturers that are used to using subtractive technologies. You know, how do you then um, combine these additive benefits within that? Um, I, I felt like this was just a really good place for that to happen. Um, it shows the, the interest in marriage between those two types of technology and, and how they can work together. And then the fact you've got a huge company like Nikon um, back in this. I mean, it, it doesn't really say what, um, there's not too many details on the mm. investment, like how much they've invested, uh, what that then means for Nikon in terms of using the technology. Uh, there isn't an awful lot of detail on that. But um, as we were saying earlier, I think Nikon have been pretty generous with the information they've given out so far on the um, investments that they've made. So I'm sure that we'll be able to hear some more details about that soon. And, um, you know, maybe even at, at TCC Japan or something, we'll see some results of that um, in early January next year. So, um yeah, I thought that was that was a nice one. And then that same day, they also made another announcement that they were investing in um, Optisys, which is a company that designs and manufactures metal 3D printed antenna for commercial and government use. Um, the move was described as yet as yet another central element of Nikon's next generation project program, which is, again, all about the document we keep referring to. Mm -hmm and aims to enable the companies to accelerate the use of Metal AM for high-performance antennas and other RF products. Um, and I just wanted to note that, interestingly, um, we put out a story last year about Optisys who are using um, SLM's SLM500 systems to manufacture lightweight parts for space missions. Again, with this one, they haven't said how much they've invested or how that kind of links together. But I think um, in terms of the types of technology that Optisys works in and um, having that, I think it's the optical technology that they're interested in. That's where the nice marriage of those two companies really comes in so um again quite small on the details um but i'm sure we'll, we'll we'll hear more in the um coming weeks and months when the um slm deal closes for example um but in the worst segue in the world sam you know they use slm technology talk to us about slm technology yeah so um <clears throat> more 3d another one of their um the companies they did they acquire more 3d i think Nikon um last year they're, they're another user of SLM and they're a user of, or they've at least um, purchased, I don't know if it's been delivered, um, the 12 laser machine. Mm -hmm. um, and um, just last week, as we recalled this, um, SLM announced um, some pretty big news again. Um, so we're coming to two years, I think, since that um, 12 laser system was announced at uh, for next was it maybe the four next that was all digital um and um we were discussing divergent use use of that platform on the last mm -hmm. um editorial roundtable podcast we did um and then as i say a few days back uh concurrent technologies corporation who are this non-profit um scientific r d organization that does a lot of work with um like the us government the us dod um, they um, revealed that they've been awarded a $5.2 million Air Force Research Laboratory contract 
with SLM Solutions named as the subcontractor or a subcontractor to develop a metal 3D printing system with a, a 1.5 meter build envelope in the in the Z axis. Um, and as a result of that, they all hope um, that the machine will that will be developed um, will be a a second NXG twelve six hundred machine. Mm -hmm. um, so this one will be called NXG twelve six hundred E, um, and it's twelve lasers, one point five meter build volume in, in Z axis, and SLM say it'll be the same speed and productivity that's in the standard twelve laser machine, um, which I think uh, the productivity is like a thousand cc an hour. Um, and the reason basically that AFRL has has asked for this development is to build longer parts for critical defence applications. Mm -hmm. um, so both SLM and CTC, Concurrent Technologies Corporation, uh, believe this work will amount to um, what they're calling a groundbreaking advancement in as manufacturing. Um, importantly, though, there was no indication on timeline, no indication on how that financial is divided, the 5.2 million mm -hmm. um, between CTC and SLM. So we don't know when exactly we can expect to see even an image of the machine, um, never mind, you know, parts and applications. But it is a it's another interesting development, you know, one that highlights um another trend, which is the amount of money that the DOD, particularly in America, are oh, yeah. pumping into into additive manufacturing. Um, but I think a development like this underscores why a company like Nikon is interested in acquiring a company like SLM Solutions. It's um, obviously had a lot of success um, with the with the 12 laser machine so far in terms of orders, at least. Um, I think there's six going in. There'll be six by the end of the year in, at Divergent, but Collins Aerospace, Porsche, um, MAN, Energy Solutions, Centavia. There's an unnamed aerospace company and an unnamed automotive company that mm -hmm. have um, placed orders, or at least it, I think in the case of Porsche, they developed an application i don't know whether they've put an order in but they've had a lot of interest about that 12 laser machine again nikon had that as like the key product when they were um explaining i guess probably to their own shareholders why they've acquired slm mm. it was this machine because of this amount of pr productivity um and and it's another i think we've seen a lot of these metal machines and these metal companies and i am getting bigger and bigger there um, their footprints and their their laser capability and this is just another instance of that mm -hmm. yeah like you say just some of those customers that you listed off it's not just the fact that they've bought a machine they've bought multiple machines something like divergent with six and there's a few others that have bought uh, more than one as well and when this machine launched and it just felt like this absolute mammoth and it came at a time when quite a few companies were launching multi-laser machines when we, for so long it felt like four was kind of yeah. like the the max and then we saw like eight and ten and then this 12 so the fact that they're going even bigger now with those capabilities you know it just really proves that um for something that felt, felt like a bit of a whoa that's pretty mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> that's pretty interesting technology at the time and i thought i really thought actually it'd be one of those technologies that we it would be a long time before we saw anybody using it but it's just not happened i actually think that over the last couple of years usually when we've had a press release about a uh, machine installation it, it's I feel like we've had more from this machine than we've seen from a lot of others. And that's not to say that more haven't happened. I just mean in terms of being publicly announced, but um, it's just done very, very well um, for installations and with some really important names too. Yeah, I think um, like the, the Velo machine that, that came out, I think 
around the same time. I think there's then maybe a Farsoon machine or something like that. Oh yeah, there's you've been a Farsoon machine. You've got about eight or so lasers, but the the Vela ones, the the Sapphire XC one MZ, eight lasers, um, and one meter in the in the Z. And again, that was another case of one meter is like as high as you're gonna get yeah. in the Z axis. <laughs> but obviously, and they they you know they yet to kind of publicly launch this machine. So this is all kind of forward looking, but even just the like the ambition to um, to develop a machine that has got so many lasers, which obviously gives you the productivity, but such a height in that Z volume with a powder bed machine. It's not a you know a DED machine mm. where there's like a robotic arm or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's all contained in, in a in a big box um, is is quite interesting. So um, and I, another exciting development by this stage is just a it's in development. I don't think, unless they're being very coy with the details, mm-hmm. I don't think it's up and running yet. Um, obviously, we don't know how far along that project is or how close it is, but um, yeah, another interesting development. Should we move on to a story about polymers now? Yeah, let's do that. Today's episode is sponsored by Nexa3D. Here, Michael Curry, Vice President and General Manager for Nexa3D's Desktop Business Unit, discusses ultra-fast printing on the desktop with the zip, the benefits of open versus closed material systems, and creating sustainable 3D printers and consumables. So people, once they get a technology that is four to, to, to eight times faster, you see this really big behavior shift where people don't go back. You had people that were would go to Blockbuster or other rental uh, locations and get videos. You know, they might wait wait a week to get uh, a video in stock. Then along came Netflix and kind of disrupted that with on-demand CDs. And then, of course, Netflix then got disrupted by, say, iTunes from Apple. Uh, then Netflix disrupted again with the idea of, of true streaming. So you don't see people who are streaming now going back and asking for uh, a cheaper overnight download from iTunes. Like that's that's not the market anymore. And so we're seeing the same thing for 3D printers. Once you experience a much faster speed, it makes it very difficult for you to want to go back to a slower speed. Uh, so as an example, we just uh, had a client who just received the zip. And he did a side-by-side print on another very common SLA desktop printer in the market. Uh, the print that he traditionally would do took him five hours. The one he did on the zip took him 45 minutes. So that's a seven times improvement. And what that means for him is that you know he can now print by the hour each day, uh, whereas before he might do one print in the morning and then kick off an overnight print. So his productivity is going to be dramatically in- increased. Or if you're trying to do a bit of a batch production of, of parts, you'll be able to get that many more batches done in a, in a given period of time. So I think that once people see that and f- experience that, it's going to be very difficult to go back to a, a, a slower process. Can you talk about the materials that Zip uses in regards to open versus closed material systems? So the Zip in itself is an open uh, platform for material development. We are really taking a close look at the various material providers in the marketplace, and we're curating and finding what we think are like really good materials. And then we will validate those and in some cases also 
uh, bring them into our platform and, and resell them. And we, you kind of get our stamp of approval that, hey, we think this is a really good resin. It's superior to its peers in terms of performance or some other aspect, maybe price, uh, value. And we'll make those Nexa branded. But then our systems are also open. So if you want to go ahead and, and find a resin that you prefer or a color that you need, we also have an open system where you can unlock all the same controls that our internal process team uses to develop resins. I understand that another way the the Zip has been built is to really consider sustainability. How does the Zip ecosystem address this? A lot of people complain in the desktop space around the amount of waste that's generated. I think mm. people in the industrial setting, maybe they, 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 they know that waste is a byproduct, but I think at the desktop, when you're using a printer as an individual, it maybe come, might come as a bit of a surprise. So the one thing that, the two things we're doing in terms of our resin management, uh, we are using aluminum uh, bottles uh, that they themselves can be made from recycled material or they can also be recycled themselves after use. We also have the ability to refill them. And then the second one is in our vat system. So we have an interchangeable membrane and, and a solid metal vat. So when your membrane uh, exceeds its life or maybe has a puncture or something like that, you can just simply unsnap the membrane and dispose of that and snap a new membrane in. And that that's a really big uh, improvement um, compared to some of the other systems where you're basically throwing away the entire vat. And that's a lot of uh, energy that you're throwing away in that process. Uh, so those are the two things around resin management. And then I guess lastly, the zip itself, uh, we chose to make it an all metal machine. Um, many desktop class machines are made out of plastic. So we're kind of making this sturdy, robust, rigid system. And then our goal in the future is to uh, make modular enhancements to that core. So you, you, don't, you don't end up throwing away your printer just because you want to upgrade its internal components. For more information, visit nexa3d.com. So another one, which was a case of companies uh, merging together. So MakerBot and Ultimaker have officially announced their new brand following a merger that was announced back in May. So that merger is now complete. We had a lot of guesses, <laughs> didn't we? What, what they were going to be called. I didn't I didn't guess this. I don't know if you did. I, I think it may have been one of my guesses. I think so there was like Maker Maker, Ultibot. Ultimaker Bot. Ultimaker Bot. Yeah, that's, that was good. And then, and then I did think, you know, would they just go for something completely different? Because I suppose with both companies coming from like these desktop maker oriented backgrounds, I thought would they use it as the opportunity to do away with the maker title yeah. in it? Um, but no, they have gone with, I'm going to go drum roll. So Mike picks it up. <laughs> um, Ultimaker. With a capital M. The importance of the, the capital M, yeah. Yeah, um, which I I appreciate <laughs> and I like, and I'll go into why I, I think that's important in a, in a second. But um, so, yeah, the company moving forward will be known as Ulti Maker. And I'm not even sure, like, you know, should we be saying it as like Ulti Maker or just Ulti Maker? You have to somehow, like, really pronounce the M or shout the M. But... It's harder on a podcast. Like, when we're writing it, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Thing, but... Yeah, so we um we we spoke to uh, Nadav and uh, Goshen, who is the CEO of MakerBot, uh, or was the CEO of MakerBot, who will now be stepping up as CEO of the new private company. It was previously announced that 
Um, both CEOs, including Ultimakers uh, Jürgen von Holland, will be working as co-CEOs, but Holland has since chosen uh, to leave the business after their transitional period for the new company. So Ultimaker will continue to operate um, under the leadership of Nadav um, from both New York and the Netherlands, so both places where the companies have HQs. And um, what does this mean for the future of the brands? So they're going to continue to offer products from both previous uh, brands. And when we spoke to Nadav, he was very um he very clearly said this doesn't mean that we're just because we've not got maker bought in the title anymore we're not neglecting that side of the brand um so for, for the time being at least they're going to be continuing to offer products from both brands including the uh, makeup method makeup replicator makeup sketch the education focus machine and um, the ultimaker 2 plus connect ultimaker s3 ultimaker s5 and s5 pro bundle printers um, alongside software like the makeup cloud print makeup ultimate cure a slicing software and this thingiverse model sharing platform so pretty much everything is is staying because i know that when this merger was announced that was something that uh, a lot of people in the community that are big fans of of both were quite concerned about because um people love Cura. so many people mm. use Cura, and um, they've got millions of users and i know that was a concern you know what was going to happen to this would that disappear could it benefit from this but no it was staying there and i know that the the new company is very interested in, you know, um, exploring and developing these products even further. And the same with Thingiverse as well. You know, that's something that when, you know, when I very first tried to use a 3D printer in this office, that's the first place I went to to mm -hmm. try and find um, a file. And it, I, I think the idea is to, again, to really bolster that as the go to place to go and get your, your uh, 3D printable files from. So that sharing platform is staying there. And as I mentioned, along with a huge um, range of, of printers um you know at, at the time I did ask um Nadav when the announcement first happened in May um and Jürgen and I, I said you know there's there's obviously similarities between both technologies they're both extrusion based uh polymer uh, with some metals in there now thanks to the ultra fused mm -hmm. filament um but mainly um, polymer technologies you know there's obviously a lot of similarities so um what would they be doing about that moving forward and you know they've they've doubled down the fact they're keeping both products because they don't um they don't see it as being machine focused which i guess is what a lot of companies um are saying these days you know they're, they're focused on the applications you know it doesn't really matter the, you know the, it's not important the, the machines that it's what it's what you do with it and they're very much focusing on the what they call the light industrial sector um, and the education market too, which they've both been focused on for a long time. You know, um, the the customers that both companies have got, you know, customers like L'Oreal, which recently had in the magazine, which use Ultimaker machines, Lockheed Martin, who use MakerBot machines, um, alongside like many schools and universities that have got MakerBot printers in there. It was only very recently, there was a, a load of machines announced, uh, donated from MakerBot to, um, to schools in the US. So uh, those are markets that have existed for a long time, these companies, and they're gonna continue to operate in them. Um, and they've said that they're going to be developing new products as well, which they haven't said dates for, but they've said, uh, I think it's something like, you know, on the horizon very soon or something like that. So uh, we, we can hopefully expect to hear um, of new things in the not too distant future. Um, and I wanted to read this uh, quote from uh, Nadav from the, the announcement, which was, um, as we begin the next chapter together as Ultimaker, we will continue to focus on developing 3D printing innovations to advance the availability of accessible and easy to use 3D printing solutions. By combining our teams and technical expertise, we can work towards developing and delivering a comprehensive portfolio of products to support professional, educational and light industrial applications. So that pretty much sums up the kind of thing, you know, how they're going to be focusing. 
on the brand though I just want to talk a little bit about that because um you know I suppose to anyone you just hear Ultimaker and you think okay Ultimaker like where's where's Maker Bot in that but um it really makes sense that they have just kept at least one of the brands because I know that together you've got both names in there but from a practical standpoint three brands are not easy at all and I say this as someone that has worked for a brand that runs trade shows a trade show which has changed its name twice in just the time I've been here mm-hmm. and yet people still refer to it as something it was called in the early 2000s yeah <laughs> so rebrands are not easy even if you've kept some of your names so the fact that they've kept this which is instantly recognizable and um, no actual branding has been announced yet just just FYI we don't actually have a new logo or anything like that yet and um, it's instantly recognizable it's searchable people are familiar with it so just from a practical standpoint it, it totally makes sense you know you've got that longevity and um I think it's I, I think it's really good that they weren't precious about that, you know, that it would be, I mean, God knows what the conversations were that actually happened before that. And I'm, 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 I can only imagine that maybe there was like a big discussion where we came up with like a hundred possible names. And at the end, it was just like, why don't you just quite like Ultimaker, but with the M? I would oh. hope, I would hope everybody was assigned some homework to come up with like <laughs> 10, 10 possible yeah. names. Um, and then they they whittled it down from there. Um, but I guess from like an SEO perspective, it worked. Totally like, makes sense. Already, <clears throat> already a brand. And then I, I gather I don't know how it all works, but if you search MakerBot, maybe it'll start. Um, maybe from like a competitive point of view, I know companies do this where they buy the ad space. Oh yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe Ultimaker are already doing that every time you type <laughs> in MakerBot. So now it'll just you'll end up back in the same place anyway. But I'll be interested to see what the new machine looks like because you talk from a branding perspective, but interesting aspect of their respective brand and as one has like a the color was black and the mm-hmm. other color was white what does the new machine when they come look like mm-hmm. what's their shade do they become gray yeah. <laughs> or do they just pick one of the colors or do they like keep them going so that you know that it's a i don't know a makeup machine or or do that i don't know do the teams come together and well i don't know how it'll work this is the thing this is what will be interesting to look at how those technologies combine because as we say they're very similar technologies but they're obviously different enough and if something like the um the method which really has kind mm-hmm. of become the flagship <laughs> machine for makeup that's very different because you know you've got the composite technologies on there that's what you can use the metal yeah. filaments on that that's that's very different it's got the closed chamber so that you can use some of those high temp materials things like that yeah, it will be interesting just to see what they physically look like. Um, and also just, you know, from a really basic point of view, just the the look of those machines, they're instantly recognisable too, like an old, ultimate yeah. machine. It's a really sleek looking design. It's always looked like quite a cool system. Think back to the early days of both of these brands with those wooden machines mm-hmm. that they both had. Um, and, and now to this, so, you know, because they've both been on a very similar journey in, in that sense. And then, of course, I know MakerBot's been a little bit more closed off than, than Ultimega have over the years, but they've kind of circled back round on that. There's all these different different questions that, um, that you know, I'm sure we'll see answered over the coming months when those new machines do appear. But, um, yeah, the, the combination of those technologies will certainly be very interesting. And, um, you know, I'd like to think that they'll, they'll keep the, the look of some of them and... Mm. You know, like I said the the method has become its own its own thing now. That's that's very recognisable. And even the replicator systems, which we don't granted we don't see as much of anymore. Mm. Um, you know, that's a that's a easily like noticeable machine. So, yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting uh, to see. And um, I hope it won't be too long before we start to see some of the the fruits of that. But um, this you know apart from the 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 normal concerns that come with any kind of merger and consolidation that sort of thing i find this um i find this quite 
good news really i find it quite exciting because it is these two giants really of the desktop 3d printing space that have come together you know over the years the 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 fact that they've both managed to transform themselves has been seen as these like maker-led companies to being used in you know some truly industrial mm. settings you know like you, you see images of ultimate machines next to production lines at volkswagen just couldn't imagine that like you know 10 mm. years ago really even though i'm sure they had these kinds of machines there but they've really like built themselves up as these more professional focused brands and the fact that they've both established themselves as that now i think well, I'd like to think they'll go from strength to strength now with having all those capabilities under one roof. Yeah, they've got, I know a lot of the patents, FDM, have expired over mm-hmm. the years, but the strategists are still doing R&D on that, or have been. And so there's still patents there that now Automaker will have access to that mm-hmm. they won't have before. And I guess I'm really interested to see what happens in the rest of the FDM market, because this is, I don't know, like, I don't have the figures. I'm just going off perception, but you would imagine these two have the largest share mm. in FDM. And so what does everyone else do with their other mergers to come from that? Mm-hmm. How do they like remain competitive? Because they already had, like, I think in terms of branding, Allspeaker and MakerBot were two of the best in that space anyway. Um, and in terms of marketing. Um, so it was already a challenge. Plus you had, let's say, MakerBot with that catalogue of, of IP behind them um with the companies that invented the technology and commercialized mm-hmm. technology so i'd be interested to see whether like some of the other fdm companies either merge or position themselves for an acquisition by another company mm-hmm. in in response um because you you would imagine that it might be good news for users i don't know whether it is necessarily for like other fdm players who mm-hmm. now like now there's this massive yeah. company that does FDM technology and like specializes in FDM technology and they don't really do much beyond that's not like they're branching out into other things yeah exactly they're pure FDM so so yeah that'll be interesting and another thing like we've had these kind of mergers before so like desktop metal and x1 both buying the jet I know they they metal buying the jet I know they both do other things as well but um I was talking to Yav Zai for CEO and he was saying that that made sense because it was like a challenge of metal buying the jet it's it's you know compared to FDM it's not as mature mm. so I don't know don't know whether there's m- much more challenges for Ultimaker and MakerBot to address but it might just be a case of they're now dominating the market mm. in terms of share um, and maybe that's the reason that they've they've come together plus I'm sure there's the kind of nitty-gritty details that they can both improve on and maybe there's certain aspects of one technology that they ever didn't have and mm. now that now they do um, and I guess that loops back around to what products then become obsolete and what get discontinued and what carry on it and how they'll figure it out mm-hmm. i guess market as always like decides that for them i'm sure we'll we'll see that um, very soon maybe not as soon as form next or anything like that but i'm sure we'll get to see stuff um, early on next year and i'm just excited to see the new logo as well yeah i'm interested to see what they do that yeah <laughs> i i'm trying to think what their logo look like and then um, is there any way of just squeezing them together well i feel like they, they've both kind of the logos are pretty streamlined anyway i don't think it'd be that hard to blend the two logos together i mean my complaint is i've got a really nice makeup backpack and now i'm gonna need a new one hint 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 <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to another metal story to finish things off. So 
Um, there have been some major launches this month, mainly due to um, IMTS. We already talked about a couple of those on our IMTS special, which you can go back and listen to um, for updates on Harvard launches from um, HP, who finally launched their Metal Jet technology commercially and Nexa 3D. Um, but another big product launch came from Mantle, also showcased at INTS, and another that has not only launched but announced its commercial availability following the successful delivery of beta units to customers in the US. So, Sam, uh, you covered this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they um, unfortunately didn't have the machines at IMTS. They had mm. images of the machines at IMTS, so you could see, so like on the battle. Yeah, you could see <laughs> what they look like, um, their parts on the stand and that kind of thing. But um, Mantle are a company that came out of stealth about 18 months ago, um, and they, as you said, announced the launch of. Um, so it's the P200 printer and F200 furnace, mm-hmm. um, which are designed basically to facilitate the additive manufacture of molded tools. Um, so the company raised, I think it was like $25 million 12 months ago um, to push forward with the commercialization of the technology, um, which they're confident is going to help take months out of mani- manufacturing development cycles. Um, and get products to market much faster. Um, one of their investors is um, Tony Fidel, who's um, a former Apple inventor who mm. worked on like the Nest and the iPod and the iPhone. Um, and one of the things he said, I think, maybe it was when they came out of stealth, he was quoted as saying that he wishes this technology had existed when he was working on projects like uh, the iPod and the iPhone. Um, and... Um, so, so Mantle are pretty confident that if, you know, Tony Fidel and Apple think that, then, then others will too. Okay. Um, and so the technology works by extruding a flowable metal paste material with a precise positioning system um, and extrusion printhead. And, and then before the um, deposited layers are automatically shaped, um, or then, sorry, the, the deposited layers are automatically shaped um, using high-speed cutting. Um, this in, occurs all inside the... P200 printer um, before then the the F200 furnace um, heats the parts to just below melting point and then fuses them into a a dense solid component. Um, So far the technology is compatible with H13 and and P2X steels um, and I think it's been used by a precision mold maker called Westminster Tool since March. Mm -hmm. I think that's through their beta program they definitely had access to the to the machine before the the launch um, in September. Um, Nicolet or Nicolet Plastics, um, they're a full service custom plastic engine injection molding company. Um, they're going to be one of the first to install the, the true shape technology platform. Um, they were announced um, in the press release um, earlier this month, and mm-hmm. Mantle have said that they expect shipments to commence early next year or first half of 2023 at least. Um, as I said, they didn't they didn't exhibit the machines at IMTS, but I did speak to a few people who seemed pretty interested in the technology. In particular, it's a technology um, and a company, I guess, that's just honed to this one set of applications mm-hmm. and knows exactly what it wants to do. Um, whereas I think um, 3D printing companies in the past have kind of lent into the fact that it can, it can do, do it can do everything, it can do all sorts, um, but um, it's interesting now, and I know some companies have like um, application-specific machines, but there aren't too many application-specific companies mm-hmm. um, who are just pouring all of their um, expertise and knowledge into one product range. Maybe we'll see a few more of them, but 
um it'll definitely be interesting to see whether because obviously lo there are loads of companies that can do this kind of thing be interesting to see how um i guess how big mantle becomes and, and how leading it becomes in that in that space well as you say that is what's so different about this technology it has come out with it's addressing this one particular application area but you know given like you said the feedback that, that you saw um at imts and even even just some of the quotes from the press release here i mean the fact that um it was um the founder of westminster tool who said mantle far surpasses any additive metal technology that we've seen previously and then you know you mentioned the other companies were an inject injection uh molding um, company mm -hmm. these are very um even though it sounds like that first company have used um, metal technologies before they're obviously doing quite traditional things and so similar to what i was saying earlier about the combination of, of hybrid technologies, it feels like maybe because this is so specific and it doesn't feel like, ah, you know, you're promising everything, so where on earth do I start? Um, this feels like it might be a bit more of an easier buy-in for those companies that are doing traditional manufacturing and, you know, want to know what's the next best thing to do. And they can look at this and go, okay, right, I understand that's what it's for. I'm familiar with this, familiar with these materials, with these processes. And I hope maybe that does make the adoption rate a little bit better compared to other technologies, because I think sometimes it does feel a bit overwhelming. It can be quite confusing to find uh, that application and where it fits in. So the fact that these are focused on just that, I think, could be a really good thing for them. Um, but as you say, we've not actually seen a machine out in the wild yet. So um, I'd be keen to see next year when those machine installations start happening, the kind of applications that we are um, seeing from that. Because as you say, Sam, it's not that you can't do these other things mm. um, with the 3D printer right now. But um, you know, if this is the feedback that we're seeing, there must be something um, pretty significant about this Mandel technology. So um, I think it sounds really cool. I wonder as well as when companies actually do install the machines, and I'm thinking just purely like jigs and fixtures and those kind of applications, whether companies do find other applications for mm. it. Maybe Mantle aren't going to steer themselves towards it, but I'd be surprised if there wasn't just an, an instance occasionally where they can quickly replace a jig or whatever oh, yeah, yeah. if they needed to. But it's interesting that they've just gone with that sort of application. And it's kind of an application that's been proved out previously. Mm -hmm. um, like there, there are loads of case studies from other companies um, that have done this kind of thing. So it's not like they've just gone into the wild. They they know the, I guess there's a certain level of demand there, and um, and then they've you know they've developed technology, it's painted in technology, yeah, um, true shape, and, and I guess they think that that's the best application for it, um, and it'll be interesting to see what I guess we kind of know the applications that come from it, but to see I guess how quickly um, they come, and I guess the the other thing is you're not going to have an instance where somebody buys the machine and it's just collecting dust in the corner because they yeah, can't exactly. find a use for it. Somebody's only going to buy it because they know exactly what to do with it. Um, and I get, I know when machines are that much, that probably doesn't happen too often. But we've heard with all those stories, we've mm -hmm. all been to facilities where there's a machine not doing much. Um, so I guess they probably won't run into that, which is obviously a good good thing for your reputation because, you know, People do have machines lying in corners and oh, they do yeah. go to trade shows and tell people that they've got <laughs> this brand of machine lying in a corner doing nothing. And I, I gather Mantle probably won't have too much of that to worry about. <laughs> 
Thank you very much for listening. Just a quick thing to tie about um, before we go. Um, so we do have the Formnext conference coming up very, very soon. It's the TCT conference at Formnext. Uh, we've just uh, released tickets for that, which you can get at tctconferenceformnext.com. I'll put a link in the show description. Um, but the, the lineup for that is just looking absolutely um, amazing. You've got companies like Boeing and Jack Wolfskin on there, who, fingers crossed, we will have on a few upcoming bits of content very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so go check that out um, on the TCT conference website. Um, and any other things, Sam, that we need to mention before we close, except the fact, you know, to go and subscribe to our magazine. Go and subscribe to our magazine. Subscribe, <laughs> obviously, to the podcast. Um, I don't think so. And um, send your Christmas gifts to our new office. Oh, I don't, yeah. don't know the address. Um, I should know the address. But if you go to our Twitter, <laughs> you'll find the address because Laura put it out there. Um, when she asked for Christmas gifts. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I believe we're having a, a bit of a celebration in like 23 minutes. Mm-hmm um to to mark the opening of our new office we've got like marketing staff who come in once a month here today um, come in for the snacks oh 100 <laughs> percent. they weren't they weren't coming until they got that note last weekend and they're like i'm gonna fork out god knows what it costs on the train to get up here um so yeah but i don't think we've got anything else we'll see you at four next mm-hmm. um we might see you before then at various events because i know you're off to out you. and about i can in florida which sounds very fun mm-hmm. let's hope i get at least one evening at disneyland yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much for listening we appreciate it and don't forget to subscribe and get your podcast and for more additive insight head on over to tstmagazine.com to get your free print subscription as sam said but you can also sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the biggest 3d printing stories of the week delivered straight to your inbox every sunday thanks very much see you again next time bye